When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Friday, September 30th, and this is People Every Day. Hello, hello, it's Friday, and I am Janine Rubenstein. So excited for today's show. There are some big movies dropping this weekend, including Scott Meskety, a.k.a. Kid Cudi's animated film, Intergalactic. You guys, it is a visually stunning modern-day love story that features songs from his new album by the same name, and we are sitting down with him later to discuss it all. Plus, nearly 30 years later, it is finally here. Hocus Pocus 2 is out today. So much going on, so much to get to, so let's jump right in. It has been seven years since we started The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Yeah, this week is our anniversary. You know, so many people didn't believe in us. It was a crazy bet to make. I mean, I I still think it was a crazy choice. And and I realized that after the seven years, um, my time is up. I've loved hosting this show. It's been one of my greatest challenges. It's been one of my greatest joys. You know, we've, we've laughed together, we've cried together. But after seven years, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's time. That's right. After taking over for Jon Stewart seven years ago, Trevor Noah announced last night that he is leaving The Daily Show. I'm sad. In the five-minute special message posted to social media, Noah talked about his time on the show and how grateful he was for everyone who's worked with him over the last seven years, especially during the pandemic. He talked about how he missed traveling the world, and it sounds like he's itching to get back into doing more stand-up in addition to just, you know, taking on some new challenges. Noah's departure is not immediate, though. He stated that he's still sorting through when his actual last night on the show will be. But it appears when he does decide to leave, the South African-born comedian might not be fully on his own. Photos have been circulating online of Noah cozying up to levitating singer Dua Lipa. The two were recently seen dining out in New York together before sharing an intimate goodbye and going their separate ways. I wonder if this is what was playing in their heads. Back to Noah. Seven years is a long time to be doing anything, and it's completely understandable that he's ready for a change to, you know, set some new rules and levitate to new heights. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. But I like the idea of Noah Lipa. We wish him and maybe them all the best, and we will definitely keep an eye out for who will replace him on the Comedy Central staple. And now I am so excited to sit down with Kid Cudi and discuss Intergalactic, his fabulous new artistic offering. So I am always on the hunt for a great new movie to watch once my little ones are down and I just found one. But 
Guess what? It's animated. I know. Don't tell my kids. Intergalactic features a star-studded cast led by rapper Scott Meskety, a.k.a. Kid Cudi. That includes Jessica Williams, Timothy Chalamet, Vanessa Hudgens, Laura Harrier, Ty Dolla Sign, and Macaulay Culkin. Just an insane roster to start with. So produced by Scott himself, along with Black-ish producer Kenya Barris, Intergalactic is a beautifully written, modern-day take on the boy-meets-girl love story set in NYC that really captures the essence of being a tech-savvy late millennial or Gen Zer. But what has fans just as excited is that the film comes complete with a soundtrack of new songs from Kid Cudi's 10th studio album. Just everything you need to get in the zone for this cuffing season. Well, all this art is out today, and now I have the pleasure of sitting down with the artist himself, Scott Kid Cudi Meskety. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Well, first, I promised my best friend that I would tell you Cuddy saves and that she loves you dearly. Uh, her oh, name is wow. Autumn. <laughs> uh, so I said, thank you so much. I will. I swear she has every piece of merch that exists. But oh, congratulations no on this movie. <laughs> I, I just you. saw it and it's so good. But back in June, you told fans on social media that you had been waiting three long years to release this yeah. project and that it is, quote, your greatest achievement. So what was the vision behind it and how did it come to be finally? I was in this place where I was uh, getting kind of bored of making just traditional albums, you know, doing an album, doing two music videos, and then that being it. And I always wanted to do kind of like a visual album, but that's been done before. I really had to kind of take a step back and, and think of something new and fresh. Intergalactic was the perfect formula, the animation coupled with the music, narrating the story, had never been done before. People were like, oh, so they've been using the term TV event. And I was like, yeah, because, you know, we could say this is a series, but it doesn't quite nail exactly truly what it is. This is something that is new and groundbreaking, and this has never been done before. So what did it take to get all of these amazing folks on board? Going through that cast list, it's like, man... Yeah, a lot of a lot of it is like my friendships I have, and a lot of it is just people that are just supporters of mine that I didn't even know like were fans. Vanessa Hudgens, Laura Harrier, and um, Jessica Williams. It was dope to see that they all signed on to this project because of me, and yeah. I was just really like humbled by that. Well, in the movie, you portray super chill graffiti artist, cartoonist Jabari, who has a host of characters in his life. So besides the animation, are you anything like Jabari in real life? Jabari is more of a um, a carefree spirit. I'm carefree, but I'm 38 now. So I think about like my safety and like breaking a bone or like, you know, like things like this, you know, <laughs> I'm just starting skateboarding again. So I'm really nervous about that. I've never broken a bone in my body, but like, I'm just, just trying this. I'm having like a midlife crisis, I guess. Like the, the moment that Jabari sees Meadow for the first time, like I've had that moment before. It was so nice to, to, to animate it and yeah. just like, yeah put that feeling that I feel to express it through animation and in the music as well. There's a specific song, Angel, that plays during that moment when he sees Meadow for the first time. Well, not only is the film out, uh, but your 10th studio album of the same name, of course, all tied together, Intergalactic, also drop. The soundtrack is really the heartbeat of the story. So what came first, the chicken or the egg, when it came to the concept of it all? The album, the, the storyline? The storyline and the album came first. I wrote that 
first and got that out the way because I feel like the music needed to inform the story. I needed that to, in turn, be downloaded by my writers and so they could take that and piece everything together. Like, each song had a very specific beat in the story. Yeah. So I had to figure all that out early on as I was writing. Simple things like, there's got to be a song where he, you know, meets her for the first time, or there's got to be a song when they make love for the first time, or there's got to be a song when they have their first conflict. I was able to piece all this together as I was working on the album. A love story by It's just you and I love it. I love it. Well, fans are wondering, this has been in the works for a while. So how did it work into just collaborating with folks? So how did you decide on who was behind it? Well, for the music side, it was, it was really easy because I work with the same dudes all the time. I called up Dr. Genius and I was like, it's time, baby. You know, and we just <laughs> got in the studio and, and, and then for the cast, a lot of it was me sending a text to people. And just asking them, like, hey, I got this thing. Would you be down? For the people that I didn't know personally, like Laura and Vanessa and Jessica, it was just us kind of reaching out through the proper channels and giving them the information. And they didn't really have much to go on. They trusted that it was going to be epic. You're heading out on tour. How are you? How are you feeling? How are you doing? You're always so open about the space that you're in. I'm really in a great place because it's... Even if touring stuff wasn't going swimmingly, I'd still be in a great place. Yeah. So happy with everything that's been going on. And I just, I'm proud of myself, man. Like, I'm just uh, really proud of myself, I guess, more than I've ever been in my life. I love it. I love it. And guys, don't forget that stream Intergalactic on Netflix. It is dope and it is sexy. And check out Cuddy's new album out as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Peace. Well, today is the last day of September, and that means Halloween decorations are finally acceptable. Shame on all of you early spooky season celebrators. Coming up, we are joined by our good friend and People's Senior News Editor, Nigel Smith, to discuss all of the new must-watch scary films to get you into the spirit of things. And of course, you know we have to talk about Hocus Pocus 2. But first, there is an excerpt from a biography on the late, great food and travel guru, Anthony Bourdain, that is causing quite a stir. It features never revealed texts and emails from Bourdain, and it includes one of the last messages the Parts Unknown host sent before he died. It was a text to his girlfriend, Italian actress Asia Argento, that reads, You were reckless with my heart. Join us on the other side of the break where we get into this latest revelation and hear what Argento has since said in response. Stay right there. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Mm-hmm. 
Anthony Bourdain is remembered as one of the most influential chefs who was made hugely popular by his CNN travel show, Parts Unknown. Bourdain died by suicide in June of 2018 at age 61 while in Kaiserberg, France. And in a new unauthorized biography, Down and Out in Paradise by Charles Learson, we are getting a glimpse into the last few days and hours of his life thanks to inserts of text messages from his phone and laptop that have been used to tell this story. Asia Argento, his girlfriend at the time of his death, seemingly addressed the unauthorized book that included the final text sent between the couple in an Instagram story yesterday. To dive deeper into this story with us today is People's Executive Editorial Director, Charlotte Triggs. Welcome back to the show, Charlotte. Thanks for having me back. I want to start with this Instagram post from Asia Argento yesterday. So just let the people know what she posted and why it's important when it comes to this story. They were known to be having trouble in their relationship at the time of his death. And so there was a lot of intrigue around what her level of uh, awareness, participation, culpability, all of this might have been after he did die by suicide during this production trip to France. Like, they were working. It was shocking, utterly shocking that this happened because he had been out and socializing with his colleagues and fellow producers and his best friend, Eric Repair, in the days right before this. As it's turning out, to be seen from these text messages, they were having an exchange where he basically was mad that she was off with another guy. She claimed that they both, quote, cheated on one another in interviews subsequent to his death. She didn't say that they had an open relationship, but that they cheated on one another. But he basically said that she'd been careless with his heart and then was asking what he could do to fix their issues. And her final words to him before his suicide were, stop busting my balls. Now, the Instagram story that she posted is her reaction to the publicity from this book. She's wearing a t-shirt and it says, stop busting my balls. So a lot of people are taking this as a very callous reaction to what is an account of a really tragic demise of someone who was very beloved. Wow. That is a statement. So did Asia know any of this was going to be published, these texts? Like, I'm wondering if the author went through her. So according to our sourcing, from what we know based on the book, and people published an exclusive excerpt of the book online, she basically said, don't publish my text messages, but she didn't dispute their veracity. And others, including members of the estate, helped confirm the text exchange's authenticity. It is very much believed that these are legitimate texts. They're very raw. And I think it's like, why why are we seeing them? To the degree that it possibly paints a picture of like, where could one intervene to help someone when they're beginning to sink into a despair? He was fighting with Asia in the last few days, having to take breaks from the production. They were having screaming matches on the phone. And at night, he would go out and be partying with his colleagues and his friend, Eric Repair, who was his best friend, fellow chef, was very concerned about him and would put his ear to the door to check to make sure he was still okay and like everything was all right. And the one night he heard him snoring and he felt really good and felt like he could relax knowing that his friend was safe. And the following night, he didn't hear anything. And it's just such a heartbreaking detail to know that. Then for this this reaction from Asia to be so, so callous, this really, it leaves a distasteful last impression. Seriously. Now, she didn't respond to our request for comment, but she did talk to the New York Times, right? And she basically just said, I told him, don't publish anything that I said. So that's all we've heard in terms of 
any kind of statement from her outside of that statement in that statement t-shirt, I guess. Wild. Well, I am sure there is going to be some more to unpack in this story as more details come out of this book that is out October 11th. But Charlotte, thank you for coming on and, and walking us through this wild bit of it. Thanks so much. And guys, remember, if you or someone you know is considering suicide, please contact the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988 or text STRENGTH to the crisis text line at 741-741 or go to 988lifeline.org. Yes, it is the last day of September and Halloween season is upon us. And with this new Halloween season brings new Halloween movies. There are so many great ones coming up. And I don't know if you heard, but a little movie called Hocus Pocus 2 dropped on Disney+. Plus. Joining me now is the movie expert himself, People's Senior Editor, Nigel Smith. Hey, Nigel, welcome back. Hi, so happy to be back. Well, let's get right into it. The Sanderson sisters are back. As we just mentioned, Hocus Pocus 2 is now on Disney+. Plus. You can watch it as soon as you're done listening to this podcast. So, Nigel, what are Winifred, Sarah, and Mary up to this time around? Well, the film's a lot of fun. I just can't believe this movie's actually made. I mean, this is a film that, the first one being almost... 30 years old. It was a cult film that kind of gained a following. When it came out, it wasn't a big hit. And critics actually like the follow-up because, I don't know, the expectations are are different this time around. And people just want to have, have fun with these three reunited. And it's just so exciting to see them back. And their chemistry is sparkling, just like it was in the first movie. It's like no time has passed. They're just back to their old tricks. Disney finds a funny way of bringing them back. If you probably remember, spoiler alert, in the first one, they kind of blow up. (laughs) So they come back and they haunt a new set of teens this time to suck the spirit out of young ones and, and stay young and fresh forever. Yeah, Nigel. So this film is out today. Everyone's so excited about it. But, you know, there's some sad news surrounding Sarah Jessica Parker that we all just learned as well. So tell people that if they haven't heard it already and and what we've heard from her. Yeah, very sad news. So the world premiere was on Wednesday in New York and she was there on hand with her two witchy co-stars to unveil the movie. But then the next day she was given the really sad news that her beloved stepfather had passed away. So she's pulled out of some additional press for the movie, but we obviously wish her all the best in this really, really difficult time. Oh, for sure. And I'm just, you know, so excited to to see this film. And, and I know so many fans are and that they're rooting for her. But aside from the Sanderson sisters making their grand return, the queen of Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis, is doing the same in the movie Halloween's End. She's facing killer Michael Myers once again in this new film out October 14th. So what else can fans expect from this Well, we could expect presumably the last Jamie Lee Curtis Halloween movie. She has been going on the record saying that this is her her final bow as Laurie Stroud. And this is the third film in the newly launched Halloween franchise, which brought her back and which she says time and time again in interviews deals with trauma, right? The trailer for Halloween Ends teases the end of Laurie Stroud saying, if it takes me dying to kill Michael after all these years, so be it. So we'll see if they actually kill off her character. This three-part series that's been really dark, really violent, but has been really centered on her character. So I'm just excited to see what Jamie Lee Curtis does with the role. 
Another film I know you're super excited about is an all-new Hellraiser. Uh, you can just count me out of these ones. I can't. I can't deal. It's coming out on Hulu on October 4th. Why should Halloween lovers that have thicker skin than me <laughs> tune into this one? Well, I wasn't really thinking much of this. You know, it's going directly to Hulu. It's a reinvention of Clive Barker's classic 1987 horror film. And that movie is more remembered for the design of the villain Pinhead with all the creepy pins stuck inside this this alien's head than the movie itself. But the trailer for this Hulu movie looks downright terrifying and really kind of inventive in the way they bring back this iconic villain. So I'm just excited to see how they pull it off. Before I let you go, there's one more movie we have to talk about, and that's Barbarian. It stars Bill Skarsgård, who people know played Pennywise in the film It. Ugh, creepy. Tell us more about his new movie. Well, this movie's been out for a couple weeks, and I just caught it last week, and it's still a hit. So it's definitely going to be around for Halloween. It is one of the best horror films I've seen in recent years. It's so twisted. You never know where it's going. It's one of those really fun horror movies that you definitely have to see in the theaters. Okay, favorite horror movie before you leave. Favorite horror movie ever of all time. Oh, boy. Or scary movie. I think I would have to go with... A classic, The Exorcist, it still holds up as one of the scariest films of all time. And it just haunts you. For me, it's Final Destination. Ooh. Random, I know. Well, I love Halloween and I love Halloween movies and I love talking to you, Nigel. So thank you for the recommendations and all the info. Have a great spooky season. Thanks. All right, you guys, even with Hurricane Ian finally being downgraded to a tropical storm, it's hard not to talk about all of the devastation and destruction the storm has caused and the loss of life. Numbers are still being worked out, but it was horrific. As it makes its way out of Florida and up to the Carolinas, relief efforts are underway in the Sunshine State. Thousands of Red Cross volunteers from across the state and from across the country have made their way to help Floridians who have become displaced from the flooding. Two of those kind volunteers are Maine residents, Bob and Ann. Sibeli. We uh, both recently retired and we knew that we wanted to find a way to give back and do something that we could do together and do something that we um, never really had the amount of time needed. Bob and Ann volunteered with relief efforts in New Jersey after Hurricane Ida tore through the East Coast just last year. But the two have made their way down to Florida and are assisting any way they can. Right now we're at an evacuation shelter in Tampa at a high school. But there's about 450 people in the evacuation shelter that we're feeding, housing, taking care of. I think, you know, when we have major disasters like this, it's easy to feel helpless, like there's nothing we can really do. But that's why I think sharing stories like what the Sibelis are doing is so important because you don't need to be a Marvel hero to make a difference. If you're not in a position to travel like Bob and Ann, you can always volunteer to lend a helping hand at your local Red Cross and or donate directly to Hurricane Ian relief efforts at redcross.org. Sending prayers and hope to all those impacted by this latest storm. That's our show for today. A wrap on the week, our last episode of September. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. And I'll talk to you again in October on our Monday edition of People Every Day. 
People Every Day is produced by Chrissy Lindquist, Tony Mantia, Amy Machado, and Madison Lesby. Edited by Morgan Foose, Carter Wogan, and Michael Aquino and made with help from Patrick Vermillion and the great team at Pod People. People's producers are me, Janine Rubenstein, and Charlotte Triggs. Our show is associate produced by Eliza Sessler and Fallon Harge, and executive produced by David Flumenbaum and Zoe Ruderman. 